Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Playoff season, boys. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's a divisional round edition of the AP Laboratory mailbag. I could not be more excited to be talking to you right now. This is what we've all been waiting for. Much like the Kansas City Chiefs, this podcast has stayed low-key, providing mediocre effort the entire season, and now we are ready to bring our full effort and attention to this fine program. And here to help me do it are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Matthew Lane. Let's go. I hope this is not how Patrick Mahomes feels when he hears from the rest of his teammates that they have been giving subpar effort while I have been giving (laughs) it my all every single episode, every single minute in between every single episode. 24-7, 24-7, my entire focus has been on this podcast. Craig, I need you to control your man, Kent Swanson, over here. I cannot no. stand for this. Maddie, do you know what that makes you? You're Dan Sorensen. Matt Sorensen, everybody. Listen, there are worse people to be. Dan Sorensen's had himself a pretty decent year for, for being Dan Sorensen. Uh, I I don't know who I am, but I'm I'm still not here for the playoffs yet, so <laughs> I'm lagging a little bit behind. I don't know what player that makes me because I think they're all ready to do this, but I'm I'm here in spirit, like I, I, I'm cheering it on from the practice squad. That's who I am. I, I'm Marcus. <laughs> You're Jordan Tamu. I'm yeah. I'm Jordan Tamu. That's who I am. I'm ready to fill hopefully, in at a moment's notice. Hopefully, your Prince Tiga would know. Mm, let's hope. Because we we're on the we're on the practice squad beat here. All right, we got a lot of great questions to uh, answer because you guys always bring it. You guys always bring the goods, and we always appreciate the stuff that you do for us. You know, helping engage with this episode. This is a chance for you guys to kind of ask what's on your mind, and we really enjoy doing this. So thank you guys so much for asking all these great questions throughout the entire regular season, and the playoff questions were were just as good. We have a five star review from William seven eight five two, and if if you like the show. If you like what's going on on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel, leave a five-star review. You ask a question when you leave a, qu- a five-star review, we answer it. And that's what William7852 did. And he says, with Jason Kelsey being obviously upset with how things have played out in Philly, what do you guys think of trading for him, signing him, pending release to come play with his brother? I understand the sentiment uh, and the idea of bringing Jason Kelsey here to the mix with the need of the offensive line. Um, he is technically under contract for 2021. It's very likely that he receives a post June one designation. It, uh, would, would, would probably be the case. Um, so they could save a little bit of cap space. Here's the thing though. He's on the decline. 
Uh, he's a declining player. He's been dealing with injuries for the last couple of years and playing through a lot of difficult stuff. Obviously, it'd be fun to have him back with Andy Reid, back with his brother. I just think it's I think it's a tough ask, and I don't know if it really helps solve these problems. You know, this is an older player who's on the verge of retirement. And, you know, there was questions, I believe, about him retiring earlier in his career uh, in the last couple of years. So I'm not a huge fan of making the move for Jason Kelsey, but I think, it, I mean, obviously it would be fun for a bunch of different reasons. All right, apnerdsquad at gmail.com questions. If you don't want to leave a five-star review, you don't have Twitter, whatever, you can leave a Gmail question at apnerdsquad at gmail.com. Casey Chem guy did that. He said, hey, fellas, love the show. I think if the Chiefs fans... Uh, could have picked the opponent KC would have faced coming out of wildcard weekend, it would have probably overwhelmingly been Cleveland. That aside, how similar in style and personnel are they to the Raiders, the only team to beat KC in a meaningful game in the last 14 months? Because they seem pretty similar to me. I mean, you're looking at an offense with a good offensive line, run-heavy team with a good running back. Cleveland has two good running backs. And then a defense that can't stop a nosebleed. So yeah, from that regard, it is pretty similar. Kevin Stefanski is a good offensive mind, just like John Gruden is. There's a lot of similarities there, but the the Browns don't have the same weapons in the passing game. So as long as the Browns can get up on a team, I think you can kind of see them assert their will a little bit more with that running game, with that good offensive line. But when you force them to throw a team that wants to be in heavy personnel and throw to Austin Hooper and David Njoku and, you know, Jarvis Landry is still going to be out there when they're having to throw the ball. But without Odell Beckham Jr., they're just not the same team. Whereas the Raiders have Henry Ruggs. They've got, you know, big dynamic guys like Derek Waller, Darren Waller. I mean, they are a, a much better team with better weapons on offense when they have to throw the ball. And I think that's what you saw got the Chiefs in some trouble Whereas if the Chiefs get up on the Browns and force them to stop running, it's going to be a little bit problematic for that offense to move the ball. The way the two teams are built, I suppose, are generally similar, but the Raiders' running game wasn't near as effective as the Browns' running game this year. They were very middle of the pack in terms of yards and yards per carry. You look at what they did versus the Chiefs on the ground, it really wasn't anything big. And... The Raiders' success against the Chiefs were Derek Carr playing two of the biggest outlier games of his entire career. The first one especially, and I think once you get to two back-to-back, you have to wonder if it is something specific about the Chiefs and no longer just a fluke. But just I don't know if you can sit there and expect Baker Mayfield to have the same level of success. You go out and you look at how they were able to do it. First thing that caught my eye is like, Derek Carr's not throwing a lot of deep balls, or Derek Carr threw a lot of deep balls, but they weren't off play action. It wasn't set up because of the run game, the way the Cleveland Browns like to use their passing attack. The only real success Baker Mayfield has in terms of being a really good quarterback is off of play action. So I don't think the teams are run the same despite being built relatively similar. And then like Craig said, it's the speed element. Between Henry Ruggs and Nelson Aguilar, the Raiders were able to take the top off this Chiefs defense and threaten them vertically play, including Darren Waller too, play after play. The Browns don't really have that speed. You have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's operating as their third receiver, is about their biggest vertical threat right now. They don't have that kind of speed that is going to threaten your corners one-on-one vertically every single play for 70 yards. I think there were some tendency breakers that first game too. 
with Derek Carr, which is they they tried to challenge him to maybe maybe Bill Belichick doubling the check down got Derek Carr's attention enough that he finally you know challenged himself to make some throws down the field. They broke some tendencies there, but I agree these like the the Browns don't have a a a a game breaker at the pass catcher position. I know a lot of people like Jarvis Landry. He's fine. I still don't consider him a dynamic game changing game breaking kind of weapon. Um, I think he's more of a chain mover. Uh, and that's historically what he's been when he came to Cleveland. He had one of the lowest yards per reception in the national football league. Like he was just like, everybody was freaking out about Jarvis Landry. He was catching a bajillion balls for five yards a catch. Big deal. But I think that's a big piece of it. Uh, I will say, I think I, I would take the Browns pass rush uh, over the Raiders, though. Is it, and I just want to put one final kind of nail in this coffin. The Raiders were seventh in passing yards this year, and they were fifth in net yards per attempt. The Browns were 24th in passing yards and 11th in net yards and attempt. So, again, the offenses are built similarly, similarly, but that is not how they are designed actually on the field. So I don't think you're going to see a Raiders-type performance by the Browns versus the Chiefs. All right, we got one from Gunnery Sergeant Chris McGinnis. Chris, thank you for your service, sir. Uh, with Kareem Hunt's post-game comments after the wildcard game, insinuating that he was somehow slighted by Kansas City with his release from the team in 2018, do Andy and Patrick take this personal, and is there extra motivation to mollywop the Browns, especially given the fact that the organization stood fully behind Kareem Hunt until it was brought to light that he lied to everyone from Clark Hunt on down? As always, appreciate everything y'all you do. Hashtag run it back. No, thank you, sir. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that there's necessarily any extra motivation per se. I mean, they definitely are going to flip the switch. They they don't need the Browns to give them any bulletin board material. They're going to show up. But I want to read you the quote that Andy Reid said when he was asked about this by James Palmer, who gave him plenty of ways out of this conversation. Andy Reid said, I like Kareem. I'm glad things are going well for him. I know he felt bad about not being on the team last year, but I'm happy for him. That is Andy Reid referencing Kareem Hunt in the police car Super Bowl week last year, very upset about the fact that he wasn't on this Chiefs team. Andy Reid's taking a little dig at him there. Like Andy doesn't do that very often. Andy doesn't bring up that kind of off-field stuff very often. So for him to do that unprompted, means that he remembers. That's his way of saying to Kareem in public, hey, I know you think this is personal, and I get that there's a little extra motivation to come in here into Kansas City. There's nothing wrong with that from Kareem Hunt. But let's not you know, go out of our way to try and turn this into something it's not, because I know how much you wanted to be on this team last year. And I know the situation that you were in and the situation that we were in. So... Let's not try and put this out there like it's some big deal and all of that. And some of the Browns beat writers were even saying things like the Chiefs gave up on him and stuff like that. I mean, guys, Andy Reid let you know right then and there what it was, what the deal is. I don't think it's an extra motivation, but I don't think it's a situation where the Chiefs are, you know, kind of looking the other way and just being like, oh, that's all talk. Andy Reid took a little bit of a dig at him, I think. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any extra motivation, especially for Patrick Mahomes or the offense. 
I don't even know if Andy Reid is going to be motivated by this. Maybe the rest of the team does pick up a little bit that Andy Reid was kind of felt a little attacked by this because, I mean, Andy Reid and the Chiefs stood by Kareem Hunt a fair amount more so than even the one incident. I mean, Kareem Hunt was not a perfect off-the-field person while he was with Kansas City. A lot of stuff went on. If you really start researching into it, you will find out plenty of it. And the Chiefs stuck by him until the video came out, and it was kind of proven to them that they were not told the full story. That's when they quote-unquote gave up on him. So I think Andy felt a little hurt. He felt a little betrayed that Kareem Hunt would come out and portray it the way that he did, and I do think that's why he came out with a very purposeful jab back at Kareem Hunt in public. So maybe the defense, maybe the team does pick up on that a little bit, but I don't think anyone's going to go out of their way to make sure they feel like they're more motivated because of the backup running back for the Cleveland Browns. Really a bummer that he's not going to get to play the second half because the Chiefs are just up by so many that the Browns have to throw the ball. Keith Raines, in watching the broadcast, it appears the Chiefs are continually looking at intermediate and deep routes despite blitzes and good edge rushers coming. Is this true? And if so, do you see that as a regular season strategy that we will attack closer to the line of scrimmage more in the playoffs? I like the idea of using Clyde out of the backfield as the first read, for example. That would set up vertical routes for him later. You know, I don't know if it's necessarily talking about him as a first read. Um, you know, because a lot of times those running backs are the work down, the check down, whatever you want to call it. Those are the guys that the development down the field wasn't what you liked or what you wanted or expected. You just get it to the running back and let him go out and make a play. I do think that you're going to see the running backs integrated more into the passing pass game because I do think there are going to be teams that are going to sell out. Uh, to, to keep a lid on this defense like we've seen some teams do. And I don't think the Chiefs have really utilized the backs as much in situations where teams are really trying to keep the lid on it. Obviously, in the run game, they have. But I think a guy like Clyde Edwards-Lair, whenever he comes back, if he does come back, could be a really valuable asset in the passing game in the playoffs. And I do think they've definitely held some stuff back because we all know the ceiling of him as a receiver, and we've really yet to see it all that much. Uh, you got to get a little glimpse of it against Miami. He had 53 yards receiving, I believe. And I think there's more in there. I think there's more in the tank, and I think there's some things that they have held back in the running back passing game, which could be stealing, really, frankly, if we, uh, you know, if, if, if they're able to get some favorable looks. All right, let's jump to the Twitter, Twitter questions. Kyle Coffey, 11. The Browns can't stop the Chiefs, right? The Browns couldn't stop anything versus the Steelers if it wasn't for Big Ben throwing the ball to the wrong team or Marquise Pouncey snapping the ball over his head. Absolutely nothing happened for that Browns defense that was good. I don't think the Browns defense has much of a chance to slow down the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, that being said, we've seen it last year in the playoffs. You've seen it sometimes this year. The Chiefs' offense, they can stop themselves if they're not completely focused. Going back to that motivation question from a couple questions ago about Kareem Hunt, I don't think Kareem Hunt's motivating them. I do think there's going to be plenty of motivation for this offense from the national media about how everyone's portraying them. I really don't think the Browns have a snowball's chance to stop the Chiefs from scoring 35, 40 points if the Chiefs' offense needs to score that many. Yeah, I, I think they're going to come out really quick. And the Browns' defense is not particularly good at the things that the Chiefs do well. They're like 31st in deep ball defense. They're 31st against tight ends. Like they're, they're, Save it for the, the game near, preview, Craig. 
No, sorry, sorry. Saving all this. I'm trying to steal some analytics here a little early in the week. A little sneak peek <laughs> for you. No, I like they're bad. They're bad against a lot of the things the Chiefs do really, really well. And you got to kind of see that with Pittsburgh. Like Maddie said, like Pittsburgh moved the ball pretty effortlessly outside of Ben Roethlisberger just being the worst quarterback in the league, which he arguably was last year, and threw four 500 yards and four touchdowns like that's insane so Patrick Mahomes and this offense are going to want to start off on the right foot they remember the playoffs last year I'm sure there's plenty of conversation in that locker room about starting fast making sure you're locked in not getting complacent not allowing teams back into things I'm sure they're going to come out they're going to play hard from the get-go and they're going to finish I think you're going to see this team finish a lot better than you did in the regular season so I just don't think that the Browns are going up against a pretty good or a particularly good opponent for what they do well. I think we've said this on the pod. I don't know for sure. I think the Chiefs have been a little bit bored. And I think they're going to beat the brakes off the Cleveland Browns. And I think Patrick Mahomes is going to go off. And it's going to be hilarious. And we're all going to be like, just, it's going to be stunning. I really believe that. I mean, this team scored 51 points in the divisional round. Everybody talks about down 24 nothing. This team scored 51 points. Like, we forget about that that part of it. What happened? Oh, yeah, they came back. Cool. No, they, they didn't just come back. They came back in 12 minutes, scored 51 points, went on a 57 run against a team that won a playoff game. Like, that's absurd. They're going off this week. Hopefully, it doesn't start slow because – that wouldn't be fun. I don't want that stress in my life. David Maida asks, a great way to ask this question. Is it Shark Week? Please let it be Shark Week. I think it's Shark Week. I I, I do. I think we're going to see. I think we've seen Frank Clark over the last three weeks of the season look a lot better than he did in the middle of the season. Whatever he was dealing with, if he was dealing with something, whatever the case may be. We know that there was, there was some illness going on per the Chiefs injury report. It appears that he's feeling a little bit better he looks more spry like you, you're seeing the assortment of pass rush moves you're seeing a little more power in his pass rush again that's perfect that's what you want for the playoffs baker mayfield held the ball the second longest of any quarterback in the league last year now against the steelers everybody's going to bring up the fact that he didn't get sacked and that's great i mean it broke a streak for the steelers they threw the ball so quick like Baker Mayfield threw the ball quicker than any quarterback last weekend this weekend they're gonna have to throw like they're gonna have to throw to keep up with the Chiefs it's not gonna be just a run heavy attack the Chiefs are gonna score they're gonna have to throw you're gonna see a lot deeper drops a lot more of him trying to escape the pocket and find some guys downfield that's where Frank Clark has really thrived I think you're gonna see Good pressure from Frank Clark. I think you're going to see a sack out of Frank Clark. We're just going to see him continue what he finished the season with. And that's great. You know, continue it through the playoffs. I'm ready for Shark Week. I thought this question was about Sark Week after watching the Alabama-Ohio State National Championship game. I was all ready to talk about how it's Sark Week and about how he's going crazy out there. But um, we can talk about Frank the Shark Clark as well. So... If people remember correctly, you can go back and watch the Chiefs play the Tennessee Titans in last year's AFC uh, championship round, and uh, you can see how Frank Clark versus a healthy Jack Conklin goes. 
And now you're going to put Jack Conklin maybe out there on the field with a bad hamstring, or you're going to have a, a Kindle lamb. I talk about putting a uh, lamb out there for a shark to the sacrificial chamber. But um, anywho, that's a kit move. <laughs> so Frank Clark versus a injured Conklin or versus a Kindle lamb. I think that's a good matchup for him. So, and even Jedrick Wills on the other side, he's been good for a rookie. He also lead. There's one of the league leaders in holding penalties at the offensive tackle position. It's a good matchup. So if there's going to be a week for Frank Clark to come back, it's been after all this rest, he should be healthy. He should be feeling good. He showed up last year in the playoffs. I think you just have to sit back and wait for him to do the same this year. I think we have to shut the show down after that. Uh, Sacrificial lamb. That's too good. <laughs> that's way too good. I'll tell you what. I need a break. So we'll take a break and we'll try to recover from that analogy and be back right after this. All right. Continue to answer your questions here on the Twitter question side of it, Chief Boy RDG, who do you think plays the biggest role in slowing down the Browns' rushing attack this week? Is it a specific player or coach? I sounded like like from I sounded like I'm from the Great White North there. Craig, you have no room to talk because at least I pronounce names right. But anyways, let's let's answer his question. Is it a specific player or coach? Or will it take the whole team or position group? I'm going to go with the entire team. I'm going to Maddie answer this and say that the Chiefs run defense first, one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL will have to be in a team effort. You're going up against one of the best offensive lines in football. Granted, they should have Batonio back, they, and then they, but they might be without Conklin. We'll see how it shapes out. But they're good. It's a good offensive line. Nick Chubb is good. Kareem Hunt is good. You have a very good rushing attack coming up against you. You need to be gap sound. You need to not get over aggressive and chase too many things down. These running backs are one cut and go players. If you overrun something, they will find the hole that you vacated and they will gash you for big plays. Play assignment sound, gap sound football. So I guess if I have to put a singular player, Brendan Daly, not a player, but a coach, just because he's the run game coordinator, that's where I'd fall. But I mean, the whole team, it's not a single person is going to stop a rushing attack. Yeah, he, he's absolutely right. The Browns do everything, like, and they do it well. I, they got guys that can run all sorts of power schemes, zone schemes, you, you name it, they do it well. And so you have to be very gap sound. You have to be in your gap and respect the gap. Kind of similar to what the the lines that Chris Jones was saying before the playoff game against Tennessee last year. Like, he really did say that. He said, listen, I got to stay in my gap or else, you know, my coaches are going to hate me. So (laughs) he did. Uh, But Anthony Hitchens is the guy that organizes all that, makes adjustments as things shift around. It's He's back. He is off the COVID list. It's very good to see him back. So I am going to take Anthony Hitchens just because he's executing a lot of those alignments and things like that. He's going to be super important to read some of this stuff, make sure that everybody's on the same page and be able to play downhill football basically early. They did that against the New Orleans Saints, another team with a good offensive line and a good rushing attack. They were able to take them away for a quarter and a half at the beginning of that game and allow the Chiefs to get out to a lead. I expect something similar this week. I have a take. I think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are harder to bring down than Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry is a product of opportunity 
and he's been this mythology has been created about him, but he didn't want anything to do with Dan Sorensen last year. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb want that smoke, and they're they're not fake tough. They're about that life. Uh, and the and the Browns are going to try to run it down the Chiefs' throat, and it's going to take everybody. It's going to take team tackling for this to work. And I believe the Chiefs are up to the task. And I think ultimately the game script gets out of hand and they can't run the football anymore. That's just my opinion. Justin PD, how early are we going to see a corner post for a touchdown to D-Rob this game? Third quarter to ice the game. Uh, I think, you know, I look, D-Rob, like, D-Rob, you know, he might, he might, he might wind up having one of those playoff moments. I would not be surprised. And that would be the route he does it. And it'd be that one end zone. The right end zone, the, the the right end zone when you're watching the TV from the on the right side. It's always that. It's always that end zone. Let's say third quarter. We're gonna get a D Rob moment here. That's funny that Kent thinks that the game's still not gonna be iced in the third quarter. That's <laughs> man, I'm I'm predicting a little earlier than that. D Rob's my X factor, and I think it's gonna happen in the first half because you're going up in the middle of the field there. Sheldrick Redwine, Ronnie Harrison, Carl Joseph, Andros Andejo. Good luck. Like, they're going to be shading Tyreek Hill. There's going to be guys that are trying to drive across the middle of the field against Travis Kelsey. They're, I think that you're going to see D-Rob get forgot by that safety group because, frankly, they're not a very good safety group. So I think that D-Rob's going to be open, middle of the field, and he's going to get hit there. Did you say Andros Indejo? Yeah, I can't pronounce names. You already said that, man. <laughs> it's my favorite... Craig, genuinely, like one of my favorite things about being your friend is you and names. It's so good. Listen, can't. Clint McKen- <laughs> Clint- Clint McKenzie, you guys are on one tonight. Clint McKenzie, if it were possible, would you want Justin Houston back on this team? Or would you prefer to take your chances on someone with a sk- similar skill set in the draft? I don't think Justin Houston wants to be on this particular football team. I think that his time with the Chiefs kind of ran its course and both sides parted ways. I don't think it was an ugly parting of ways, but I also don't think it was something where it was on great terms. So I don't think Justin Houston would want to come back. I think he would see that as tucking his tail between his legs to return to a team that didn't want him anymore. And I mean, quite frankly, that is kind of how it went. If you were to bring Houston back, he would have to fall in line is no longer being a leader on the organization that he gave so much to for a long time that decided they didn't want his services anymore. So I just, I don't see that one ever coming to fruition. I would much rather spend a draft pick over getting another aging guy that may or may not be super happy to come back. JT Penfield, what do you want the opening offensive game script to look like? What specific plays and concepts would be best to exploit the Cleveland secondary and mitigate the pass rush of Miles Garrett? I'm going to be fascinated to see what the Browns do with their secondary and if they're going to try to keep a lid on it and they're going to try to play off and soft. If they're going to try to play off and soft, there are going to be some easy opportunities in the flat. There's going to be some easy opportunities laid up in front of them for a guy like Tyreek Hill who can threaten him with the vertical speed. But that's not just an opening script thing. That's an entire game thing. Um, I think it's really it's really interesting to see um, you know Andy's opening script. And this is an opportunity to just kind of appreciate. Here's the things that I'm going to tell you you're going to see because you see it every week. You're going to see a, a, some kind of manufactured touch to McColl. 
You're going to see some kind of end, uh, Tyreek Hill end around. You're going to see a shot play uh, out of play action. You're going to see a variety of shifts and motions. You're going to see Travis Kelsey isolated on the backside of the formation. Uh, and this just gives me a second to opine too on just like on on offensive game calls and game scripts. What they're trying to accomplish in that we haven't done this in a while. I haven't got to explain this in a while. What what they do in that first fifteen is you're going to see a, like they like to get a variety of formations uh, in, and they like to get a lot of the shifts and motions because they want to understand how the Browns intend to play all those things within the within the 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 game. So it's using it as confirmation for this is what we think they're going to do with against this look and this is why we like these sets of plays. That's why they do that with all so much variety in the first 15. The Chiefs just also happen to be really really good at executing those plays in the first 15. So like the 15 first 15 is not just I'm going to roll out my best plays, it's also I'm gathering information because I need to understand how the Browns are going to play me this week. Sorry, just wanted to kind of lay a little bit of groundwork because we don't always talk about that. And I, I think it's, I love it. And I think it's super interesting because you're going to see all the formations under the sun. You're going to see all, like five different per- personnel groups. It's great. Yeah, they're going to take everything soft. Like you're going to see some bubbles to Tyreek or McCole or even Kelsey out there. Get those guys in a space, get them with the ball in their hands and get them running at that secondary that I just said was bad and can't really you know, take the angles that they need to against that speed in the secondary. I think they can exploit it fairly handily. And when they start coming up, if they start drifting forward at all, that's when you hit them over the top. That's when you hit them with some double moves, fake some of that stuff, be able to hit some of that deep stuff. I I mean, I think you're going to see them really attack all levels of the field because it's not just about one specific area that they're bad at. They're bad kind of everywhere when they're throwing. Miles Garrett can be a problem, but the way to neutralize him in this game is to chip him early, get the ball out quick early, and let the toll of last week's game hit him. He is exhausted. You saw him at the end of that game. He lacked get off. He lacked explosion. He did not look like the same player because he was exhausted from being on the field that entire game. Keep him on the field. Keep him having to pin his ears back. Get the ball out quick. And then later in the game, if you need to, you can dial up some deep beaters, deeper drops, knowing that he's just not going to have the same juice off the edge. I forget which game it was, but I think you're going to see the Chiefs move right down the field with the RPO slant game because the middle of that Browns defense is the softest thing I have ever seen. Eric Ebron and Juju Smith-Schuster combined for 30 targets. I understand the Steelers threw the ball like crazy, but the two primary slot middle-of-the-field receivers for the Steelers had 30 targets combined. The Chiefs are going to come out. I think, yeah, Kent's right. You're going to see a bunch of formations. You're going to see a bunch of different personnel packages. I still think you're going to get a lot of RPOs, a lot of passes over the middle of the field. They're going to be short because I mean that's where it's going to be open, and you're going to force the Browns to adjust what they were trying to do versus the Steelers, because I think they will try to play the Chiefs similarly. Now, as far as Miles Garrett, one of my qualms with Andy Heck, who I think has done a pretty good job of developing under-talented offensive linemen, but he does not change his game plan for the pass rush that's coming up. He does not care if they're going to stunt. 
He does not care if they're going to twist. He does not care if you have elite edge rushers. He is going to call his protections. He's going to leave his tackles oftentimes one-on-one. He's not going to call full slides to Miles Garrett. He's not going to call for a running back or a tight end to stay in protection to help. So you are going to get Fisher. You are going to get Rimmers one-on-one with him. I think the only way the Chiefs go about trying to mitigate that rolling Patrick Mahomes away from him. I don't think they will alter their protection calls a ton because that's just not what Andy Heck has done in the past versus great pass rushers. I do think they're going to move the pocket, especially in the red zone, because Patrick Mahomes, for some reason, defies traditional thinking and is extremely capable of operating in closed quarters in the red zone. It's just something that he's uniquely... You can cut the field in half in the red zone and he's just going to roll out and just find a guy. That's what he did to the, that's what he did to the Texans last year. Uh, PM 15 for president, aside from taking Patrick Mahomes, how many and which chiefs players would you have to give the Browns in order to beat the chiefs? Mm, That's a really good question. It it might be close to 10 or 11. I mean, Travis, (laughs) seriously, if without Mahomes, you got to take away Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and Sammy Watkins from his weapons, which would slot in very nicely in place of a lot of the Browns' weapons. And then you can keep the rest of their offense. On defense, you need the entire Chiefs secondary, period. And then Anthony Hitchens, Chris Jones, and Frank Clark up front. Like, those guys, you need every single one of those guys to even have a shot. And I still wouldn't love the Browns' chances, even though you're taking those guys away from Mahomes and you're taking those guys off the defense. I still don't love, love, love the chances. I think that's a shootout because, well, Mahomes. Boy, if I could give the Browns Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and take them off the Chiefs, I am taking the Browns in this game. And I'm not trying to go after our beloved Chiefs or Patrick Mahomes here, but... uh, you take you give the Browns that deep threat that we said they don't have to match what the Raiders did. You then give them the best possession receiver of any kind in the NFL to work over the middle of the field versus the Chiefs linebackers. Uh, yeah, no, I think just those two players right there, which, I mean, is a substantial amount of players, but I think taking away both of those two weapons, I mean, severely would alter the outcome or how this game would play out. You put Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill on the field, and you play 12 personnel with Austin Hooper and Jarvis Landry and one of Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. And if the Chiefs have to play, the, they play, have to play in their base. Woof. That, I think it's just still got two. Baker. I mean. <laughs> what? Byron Pringle season, oh, baby. I am okay. Hang on. I'm here for this. <laughs> KC Royal 5280. Over under three sacks for the Browns. Uh, give me the under. Uh, I think I think it's gonna be the under. Actually, no, no, what? Give me the over, but Chad Henney's one of them. Oh, wow. Because the game's over. A Henny. A Henny sack. And he's coming I mean, in to throw. Listen, Patrick Mahomes has only been sacked more than three times in a game once this year. Once. And that was against the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints have a much better pass rush than what the Browns have. Like, much, much, much better. And the Chiefs are healthier on their offensive line than they were against that. So I'm taking the under as well. 
Yeah, definitely taking the under. Like, I think Miles Garrett is a fantastic pass rusher without Olivier Vernon across from him. They have a bunch of pocket pushers to go along with it. I think the Chiefs will be able to handle that. Patrick Mahomes specifically will be able to get away from enough stuff. I, I would I would bet heavily on the under if that was a betting line. Sport talk, Evan, would you realistically what would you realistically give up for Devontae Smith? Pick thirty two. I don't think I'm in the mindset of trading up for a wide receiver. I love Devonta Smith. I have for two years now. I think he's a fantastic prospect, and I would gladly take him at 32. I think there is a substantial amount of risk given the lack of any player in history going to perform well at the NFL level with his physical and athletic profile, at least what it's projected to be. I think you do have to have some level of hesitation there. So giving up more than just pick 32 would just be a risk. I don't know if I'm willing to take. BT and KC, thoughts on the Raiders hiring Ken Wisenhut, I mean Gus Bradley, as the new defensive coordinator? Man, social media managers having a bad year for identifying coaches and putting them in images. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's a smart hire. I, Gus Bradley with the Chargers did a lot of good things to try and take away the Mahomes Chiefs. He he made life difficult on Patrick Mahomes. Now, he doesn't have the personnel in Las Vegas. Like they they need a lot of dudes over there. I'll let Maddie kind of go into that. But from a philosophy standpoint, the types of things that Gus Bradley has done to limit Patrick Mahomes. He, he kind of laid the blueprint a little bit last year in a couple games. So I think that that's a really, I mean, it's a smart hire by John Gruden. If you're going to go out and get somebody to try and stop literally just Patrick Mahomes, he's a guy, at least, that has done it before. And you've got that kind of resume to build off of. I think it shows you just how obsessed with the Kansas City Chiefs John Gruden is. And I don't. That's not only a bad thing. I mean, it's obviously a little bit of a bad thing taking victory laps and whatnot. But the easiest way to make the playoffs is to win your division. The Chiefs are going to keep winning the AFC West as long as Patrick Mahomes is here. But you do have to give kudos to Gruden for trying to beat them. And the best way to do that is get the defensive coordinator that comes from the system and has essentially played the best against Patrick Mahomes throughout his career. Yeah, they got to pretty much turn over that entire defense to pull it off but they at least have the scheme. They have the concept of how to do it. It makes sense. It just also shows you where John Gruden's head's at. <laughs> yeah, um, all those first-round picks on that defense, too. It's a shame. Maybe he can get something out of John Abram. I doubt it. Uh, Max Crosby kind of came down to earth a little bit uh, this Shocking. year. They, Maddie, I think, I know. Molly Salt, earmuffs, buddy. Um, I do think that uh, Maddie said it best though. They're gonna they're gonna draft a, a, an edge in the round one next year. They have to. They gotta give they gotta give Gus some dogs. Uh, Leighton Y. Any update on the Sammy Watkins injury? I don't have any update. Uh, but this the reason I put this in the rundown is I just wanted to kind of I was thinking about this today. Sammy Watkins has been extremely valuable to this team the last two playoffs. That third offensive weapon has been huge for this football team. And Sammy Watkins didn't look particularly explosive the last time we saw him. I really hope that we get an explosive Sammy Watkins because they need that guy badly in this playoff. They need that third guy. Kyle K, would you rather have Clyde back healthy or Dan Kilgore and Steven Wisniewski start at center and right guard? 
Yeah, it, it's Clyde. I don't know that Kilgore and Wisniewski really move the needle too terribly much, but Clyde does. Like, I think we saw that the ramp up was beginning. A lot has been made of what Andy Reid has done in the playoffs with his running backs. Last year, Damian Williams had three and a half receptions a game. Clyde this year had four. In the playoffs, Damian Williams had almost seven a game in the playoffs. Like, they ramp up the way that they use their running backs in a big, big way. And he was part of the reason why this team was able to get over the line a little bit. He was very crucial in what they did on offense. I think they were ramping towards that with Clyde edwards Lair. I think you were going to see the full game plan, the things that we trumpeted when they drafted him that he does well i think you were going to see some of that in the playoffs so if i get a fully healthy clyde with andy reed i think you just get to see the weapon that we were a little bit excited about back in april when they drafted him captain danny who would you rather have get a head coaching job steve spagnolo or dave tope i think steve spagnolo because i'd be more happy for him as a person, I enjoy Steve Spagnuolo. I think he's deserved it. He's done a lot. I really enjoy his interviews. I think that he's a good coach. He's a guy that deserves another chance. Can't promise he's going to get one. I don't think defensive-minded head coaches are going to be in vogue in the NFL for a little while, especially if you don't really have something incredibly unique or you are the guy that has built a significant culture like Matt Rule did at Temple and then Baylor. Like, it's I don't think that's what's in vogue for the NFL. And really, Dave Tobe is trending the wrong direction with his special teams rankings. I'm not sure he's got too many more interviews coming until he turns that around. Oh, and protect Brendan Daly at all costs. So we need to elevate him, the defensive coordinator. Yes, no, keep him in-house. Whatever you need to do, keep him in-house. D. Johnston 29 is chief in Carolina going to Tampa in February. The real question, you may address it already, is Mobile, Alabama in play for y'all? This year, not sure what the restrictions, regulations are this year. Yeah, we're all planning on being in Mobile this this uh, next couple in a couple weeks for the Senior Bowl. Boots on the ground with our pal Jacob Morley. Uh, as of right now, that's our plan. So we do plan on being there, getting our draft work done. Maddie, are you going to be in Tampa in February? I mean, when the Chiefs go to Tampa, there is a seventy five percent chance I'll be there. I can very easily get there. It's just a matter of, am I going to, you know, do I want to, this will be like the weekend right after doing senior bowl stuff and getting back home. So it's a quick turnaround, but like I have a very easy ability to get down there. So I don't know if there's enough fans out there, enough of our listeners that are also planning on making this trip. Maybe you can slide into the DMS. Let me know if there's maybe a big group of us, we can all get together and meet at some point in time. Not saying it's a guarantee, but like I said, about 75% chance that I'll be down there as long as the Chiefs make the Super Bowl. As long as the Chiefs make the Uh, Super Bowl. The season still could get canceled. We are still in a pandemic, Kent. Yeah, and if you get together, socially distance, please. Guys, let's let's not get all the Chiefs kingdom sick. Penn Barino, what was the most convincing Chiefs win this year? Buffalo, Baltimore, Tampa, Houston? If you had to pick one game, uh, what would it be? It was it was Buffalo. Like the Chiefs were in control of that game the entire time. I mean, it, the Chiefs held the Buffalo Bills offense that everybody is ranting and raving about how awesome it was to 206 total yards. The Chiefs defense did. The Chiefs also ran for 245 yards against that 
defense. They were able to control the game. It never really felt like it was in danger. I mean, it, they just went in, they handled business, and they controlled it from basically start to finish. So I, I for me, give me that comfortable victory 10 times out of 10 over maybe a more explosive offensive performance that's a little bit more of a dogfight. I will take the one that's just in control all the way through. For me, it was the game versus the Baltimore Ravens. At that point in time, the Ravens were still, they underperformed last year in the playoffs. They were still this best team in the NFL during the regular season that just kind of had a 16 and 0 bad game and lost in the playoffs. Here come the Chiefs. Terrible matchup versus the Ravens. Chiefs can't stop the run. Ravens have this really good physical defense, and the Chiefs came out and they mollywhopped the heck out of them for an entire half. The only reason that game looked remotely close was a kickoff return touchdown. Yeah, hired Dave Tobe for a head coaching job. And if you take that away, it was just garbage time points out of the Ravens. Their offense looked terrible. Their defense looked completely and utterly lost. Like, I think that was the most dominant game the Chiefs played all year completely from start to finish and that was even with them going to sleep midway through the third quarter some facts about that game i tweeted them out and this is because baltimore is my game as well yes you got the return you got the kick return touchdown dave tobe missed field goal by harrison butker missed extra point by harrison butker darwin thompson fumble in the baltimore ravens territory when the chiefs were up 27 to 10 at the half driving down like it was nothing four plays 59 yards and then darwin thompson fumbles that game that game the optics on that game it's a two point or two touchdown blowout and the optics on it could have been worse Brandon 422, I feel like we only get the offense going scorched earth for short bursts. Are we ever going to get to see them play four quarters to their potential? Yeah, they'll play four, they'll have to play four quarters in the AFC championship game. They won't have to play four quarters this week. Man, I'm this is <laughs> we're gonna get roasted so bad by the listeners. Don't predict a blowout. Well I don't care. I don't care. Playing the Browns care. in the playoffs. Don't care. I think I do think I guys, I think it's coming. I think these next twelve quarters of football are going to be a lot of fun. And I think Patrick Mahomes is pissed off. And you know what happens when Patrick Mahomes is pissed off? You start sizing rings. T E R O three. What player on defense is the X Factor to get back to the Super Bowl and win it? Well, I think Legarius Sneed is the player that the Chiefs need to accomplish this deed. That was it? Uh, that you, you just had the Dr. Susie and Rhyme to, to draw for that? Do you need me to that? explain I'm... why, or do we just accept that this no, is the correct no, answer? No, we all know why. Legarius Sneed is awesome. That's, that's why. So, I'm looking for Frank Clark to make his mark. I feel it in my bones. It's got to be Chris Jones. That's going to do it for the AP Laboratory Mailbag. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate y'all. We'll be back later in the week with the game preview. We'll catch you later. When the Chiefs really need a spark, it's got to come from the shark.